Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The, the Yamcast. Yamcast. So I'm Chris, and this is... I'm Erica. Yeah, and we're friends. Yes. And we're co-hosts. Yes. To this fun little podcast called The Yamcast. Where we like to discuss young adults. Yep. Specifically young adult ministry. We do that from the lens of the Bible, where we look at different stories yep. and books and how, that are rele- how they are relevant to young adults. And so this uh, little ditty that you're listening to is created by a friend of ours named Brian. And we're about to dive into a whole new book this, this time. Get ready. So let's do that. And of course, if you want to reach us, so many great ways to do that. The socias. That's what the kids call Socias? And the emails. Nobody calls it socias. Yep, they do. No kids call James, do you call it socias? He's thinking. You can't see that. Can we just let's be clear? I know I, so. I know that no one calls it that. I'm just proving you wrong. I know you I know. like I like being a very old person. I feel like I've heard it before though. Because I've said it before. Well, I mean it's also when people are talking about your social security number, they'll be like, What's your soch? Oh, that's true. We don't We aren't advocating we for sharing of social security. We also numbers. don't want you to take our socias and do please, something with please them. Please no. Stop identity theft. Identity theft is a real thing, Jim. Stop it now. All right. <laughs> Sorry, that was a tangent, guys. Uh, well, we hope you enjoyed that. We don't have tangents. Those are not allowed. That that was actually in our notes. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> so, so we're we're gonna do an Old Testament book. Yes. We hinted at that last time. We did. I mean, we we're, we kind of you know think going back and forth is not a bad a bad thing. It's a good strategy. Yeah. So we did an, a New Testament. Two yep. of them, and now we're going to do yeah. an Old Testament book. Little old, little new. And I really wanted to do one of the prophets. Yeah, you did. Because we don't really talk about them a ton. We might talk about Hosea. We might talk about, I mean, you'll hear the one verse from Jeremiah. Correct. All of the time. Yes. But we don't really talk about them a lot, especially the ones at the end where there are all their names. Nobody remembers them in order, you know? Yeah. So... We thought we would do... Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Mike, and Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Sorry, I fell asleep. And then Matthew. And then everyone's like, oh, Matthew, I know that one. I know that one. Uh, so what book are we doing? What prophet are we going to talk about? Uh, Hosea. I don't think I know Hosea. Yeah, it's Hosea. Oh, it's... I know that one. Yeah. Ho- it's like whenever, it's, you know, Hosanna, for example, is really Hoshana, Hoshana. And we don't say it that way. No. Because we're English and we're right. So I'm facetiously talking about the air with which English speakers use, even though we're not even speaking the king's English. Because we would use words like, that's weird. Why do you say it like that? You know, those sorts of things. Word. And then we realized that's not, actually they, they originated the word, so. Correct. They get to say. Correct. Yeah. Like aluminium. Probably the dumbest way to say that word, but Rich feels that way too. <laughs> He's one of the pastors here. Okay, so. So what, we're going to do Hosea. We are. Hosea. Yes. Which some of you might be thinking, I know a little about him and it's a little weird. It is weird and, and we're looking is. forward and to that. we're going to talk about it. Yeah. So what do I know about Hosea? Well, what, so what you know about Hosea is more than what I know about Hosea. 
So what I know, we'll start with the not scholar person. Um, I, like, I like that. Let's start with that. Yeah. So what I know is that he's a man, as most books of the Bible are named after, um, asked by God to go and take a prostitute as a wife. Yep. Very interesting. Yep. And that this is meant to be kind of a picture to Israel as to how they have whored after other gods. Watch your language. I know. They this, use it a lot. This is a college get, young adult get podcast. Get used to hearing that word because it is used. They don't use language like that. Um, have you been reading Hosea? Oh, I'm talking about college students. Oh. College and young adults. They oh, oh, yes. They're so much more sophisticated. They don't use that. language like that. So we got to be careful yeah. with what we say. Anyways, I also read a book <laughs> called Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers, which okay. is a, like a more modern take. And by even being modern, it still is like... It's when people are moving west in the United States. So it still is yeah. very, it still is older. But, and that kind of brought the book a lot to life a little bit more too. So that was a, I mean, it's a very good book. I really okay. enjoyed it. So, I mean, I've also done some research. So some of that will be coming later. But what I knew before <sighs> doing research. Look at you. Was basically, man, prostitute as a wife, which is really only talked about in the first chapter. <laughs> you know? You're becoming a scholar. <sighs> Just by so pointing those things out. So are we ready for some Bible nerd moments? Yes, let's. <laughs> You're like, fine. We must. Uh, I'm looking forward to your research, though. It's going to be okay. good. So here's uh, some research that I've done okay. in years past. Really, there's not much here. But he he is a prophet. He is the only prophet that we know of who would call Israel home. And some listeners might be thinking, what? No, Israel is the whole thing. It's all Israel. Mm -hmm. Okay, but at the time that this was written, the kingdom has broken into two parts, right? So if you were to run back in the storyline of the Bible, David is the kind of the beginning greatest king, right? Saul starts to unite them. David actually unites them. David's son Solomon, the the kingdom reaches its zenith or its pinnacle. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Solomon's son, Rehoboam, decides to be a bit of a turd. That's the biblical word for it. It's in there. Yeah, sure. It's, it is not. <laughs> not. And uh, by being a turd, he actually breaks the kingdom in half. A guy named Jeroboam comes up and says, well, I'm taking Israel with me. So we have the ten tribes in the north that call themselves the kingdom of Israel. And we have the two tribes in the south that call themselves Judah. Question. Yeah. So that reminds me of when they sent people into the the promised land to s- to scope it out and there were 10 that were like no and then there were two that were like we can do this right sounds familiar are those possibly the same tribes that ended up getting split or no it's possible okay it, I, I, it always just reminds me you of know that. what that is a great question that i will look into okay. while you're giving us your scholarly research all right in a second. Sounds and great. if i'm able to answer it before we get to the podcast it just reminds and, me of the two and the ten and then it also would be interesting because the 10, obviously the less, I wouldn't say the less faithful, but kind of, yeah. um, they get wiped out first it is or definite, taken over first yeah. before the two that are faithful get taken over. I think it's definitely Anyways. something that we're supposed to at least see the connection, but whether it's the same tribes or not, that's a great question that's worth looking up. So I'll do that in a minute. And while I'm doing that, I'll listen to your things, but let me finish what I was going to say. Yes. Super yes, fast. No, no. It, oh, don't apologize. Don't this apologize is, on we, this that, That's a good rabbit trail right there. <laughs> I like it. 
So this is right before the northern kingdom is going to be exiled by Assyria. So he lived just before 722 BC. That's the key date there. And then Judah later is exiled by the Babylonians in 586 BC. So remember when we talked about judges seemingly a year ago. Which feels... It was a year ago. Which feels like so much longer than that. <laughs> right? Thanks, 2020. Wow. That was fun. See ya. Don't yeah, let, don't let the door hit you on the way out, 2020. Wow. Uh, yeah, so Judges was right as they were moving into the land. Imagine now after Judges that a number of kings set up the actual kingdom and the kingdom splits in half. So we're talking history here, you know, a couple hundred years you know, that kind of deal. So this is right before the Northern Kingdom is exiled. And he is a contemporary of some prophets that everyone knows, right? Isaiah is a book that most people know. Uh, the, the word, the, the you know, Jonah. Who mm. doesn't know the story of Jonah mm-hmm. and the big fish, right? Amos and Micah or a couple other names. Uh, but if we're looking at Hosea, this, let me read verse one, because this shows you when, when he served. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, those are the kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam II, the son of Joash, king of Israel. So just to give you kind of a time frame, that's when we're talking about. So while this is happening, down in Judah, prophets like Isaiah and Micah and Amos are talking, and Jonah's living somewhere between the two. I don't know if he would really call himself an Israelite, or a Judahite, whatever. Mm-hmm. But Jonah doesn't really set a good tone for the whole time frame. Anyway, he leaves and runs away and tries to go to Nineveh, uh, or to, to Tarshish instead of Nineveh. So kind of in the middle of all this, this, this is the only prophet we know of who would call himself from the tribe of Israel. And he's going to speak very harshly against not only Israel, but then Judah as well. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we have. So what kind of research did you get? So uh, what I gathered was that this book is a more of like a compilation of 25 years of kind of like Hosea's sermons. So not that this was all done at one time, but somebody else took his words and put them together to be what they are. So he didn't technically write this from what I understood. It was, yeah, somebody else putting his sermons together over 25 years, which, I mean, it's, not that many chapters, so obviously it's not all of his sermons that he ever would have done. As you already had said, he lived in the northern kingdom of Israel, which he also will call Ephraim, right? Mm-hmm. All of the time. Mm-hmm. And it's w- written during one of the of Israel's worst kings, Jeroboam II. So that would be right after the first Jeroboam king, right? Or no? Because I also read that you it was You were asking two- some awesome questions I'm sorry. today. No. I also... At- read that it was 200 years after the Judah and Israel split. Yes. That seemed, so that, okay, that yeah. is right. Okay. So David, we know David lived right around 1000 BC. Okay. And then, so his, then yeah, that his be, son okay. becomes king right around 960 BC. And then the kingdom splits within With within son. 40 years of that. So if you think about 920 BC and then, about, yeah, and then 722 okay. BC would be that. Yep. So that makes sense. I mean, so that's a long time of them living separate right. before he writes this. Um it's all, yeah, so I've read that it was almost all poetry, but I didn't read. I looked and saw that it was almost all poetry. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I never noticed that before. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. I. The The big question, and you threw this little, you, you made this phrase there, and you said it, 
it, it's a lot of poetry and it seems like it's a bunch of sermons that were pulled together later. This is one of the things that a lot of college and young adult students really have trouble with with the Bible because mm. you might have grown up in a church and they're not even wrong to say this is inspired by God. Hosea is the one that said it. Yes, all of that is true. How then did Hosea's message get put together in its final form? Is kind of something that a lot of people trip up on. And I don't know why necessarily, because, you know, we read the gospel letters and we know that that's an individual compiling a story and putting it all together. And so we kind of think, well, that's the way it was all done. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way it was all done. Mm -hmm. You know, you're reading Isaiah and it's a number of sermons across many centuries. And you go, that's interesting. How, why, why are they speaking about the the exile and, uh, you know, future terms or future tense in the first few parts of Isaiah? And then why is it past tense at the end of Isaiah? And we're talking a period of 200 years. How is Isaiah able to live that long? Well, I think the answer is he wasn't able to live that long. So then the question goes, well, okay, then who helped write the second part of Isaiah? There's so many theories out there that are really good. You know, some are that Isaiah was able to look to the future and then write them down and tell people to hang on to it. When these are fulfilled, open these up. That's one way. Another one would be that his disciples kept preaching his message over and over. And now that they're coming back into the land, they give the kind of the final sermons of Isaiah to the people. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with Hosea. Like this guy is a prophet, meaning he's standing up preaching the word of God, saying this is what God wants us to know. And then someone has to write it down. He wouldn't have written them down as he's talking. No. So if that's the case, then you also then have to ask the question, well, then how did these get put together? Or second, are these even all of the sermons he preached? Clearly that's not true. Probably not. Yeah, just like we don't five years. Like... Right. Just like we don't have all the parables that Jesus preached. Mm-hmm. Just like we don't have all of the stories that, or the, the you know, when John says that mm-hmm. if we were to write everything that Jesus did, we wouldn't be able to fill all the books in the world, I suppose. You read that and you go, oh, well, then what else did Jesus do? All kinds a of stuff. A lot of stuff that we don't know. We just don't have access to it because the, the gospel writers are trying to give us a specific idea. So imagine even Hosea, you know, being inspired by God, saying these things. And you've got dozens, hundreds, thousands of sermons, potentially, all laid laid out. And then maybe, uh, you know, a final editor or Hosea himself even taking all of the sermons, just going, these are the, this is the order that we need to put these in and put them together and running with it. Or one of, you know, Hosea's followers later or somebody else finds all these and says, these, these fit the most with where the Bible's trying to go. And, and the Holy Spirit inspiring that editor to say, this is what needs to fit and we're going to make it work. Yeah, I feel like we, when we hear that, as you already had said, like it's hard for us because we think that like takes away its authenticity or that right. we take away its spirit dwelled, whatever, to right. put it all together. But like it's the same spirit that's in you, that's in me, that's in all of these different people that are putting it together. So it's all God still putting it together and and is able to use, which is even crazier, a vast amount of people to literally still say the same thing over a vast amount of years, which yeah. is which actually, if you really think about it, v- like validates its authenticity rather than negating the authenticity. Agreed. So. And I think that's that's how we should be approaching the Word of God and understanding that humans are a part of the process, and that's something that makes it all make sense. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's no other way that it happens. So... You know, I, I know that that might have been a little bit difficult for some folks, but we're in prophecy. Prophecy is going to get weird, and so we just kind of need to have that conversation. And as far as poetry goes, almost all of the prophets are speaking in poetry. And part of that is because Hebrew is a very poetic language. Mm. Um, it's also their method of preaching would have been more of a sing-songy, 
you know, if, if you've ever been Why to like, we do that? well, cause we're, we're cause, <laughs> I'm just kidding. cause we're English, you know, <laughs> like, like it, we're, we're very white and very English and that's just kind of the way things are. But like, if you've, you know, if you've ever been to an African American church mm-hmm. or some of my friends would say a black church, I mean, it's more response. It's more, oh, totally. you know, like totally different yeah. style of preaching, different way of doing things. And actually they probably get closer to what the prophecy would have felt and been like. If you were to go to Israel and go to an actual synagogue, or you know, you can go to synagogue, I guess, in America as well. If you were to go to a synagogue and they're doing the whole service in, in Hebrew. I mean, yeah, they're singing it. You're, they're singing everything. Mm-hmm. So you know, we read the Psalms. They're songs. So you'd sing a song. Like It just kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. And poetry has flow. And yeah. obviously when it's put into English, it loses a lot of that flow. But yeah, because we're like, we sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger to them. You know, like <laughs> if you if you think about how he slaughters the English language to them, they're hearing their song in English. They're like, oh, that's not very good. They're like, this is not what it was intended to sound like. Right. So, yeah. So I that mean, makes a lot of sense for it being in poetry. Yeah. Hebrew is just a, a beautiful language in that way. It's also a very uh, terse language, meaning you use very few words to say a lot. Mm. And so Hebrew, you, you could say two words and it might be a whole sentence in English because you're trying to figure out how all these word plays fit together. Plus it rhymes and all that kind of stuff in Hebrew, whereas it doesn't do that in English. Mm-hmm. We have problems with that. And then I think the, the last thing about poetry that's interesting to me or, or prophecy in this sense is this particular book is one of the hardest ones of all of them to translate. Really? It's, it's the only book like it, partly because it is a northern tribe dialect oh interesting yeah. so because it is a different dialect of english you know if you were to read a, a commentary they might say something like we don't actually know what a lot of the book is saying because it it wasn't fine-tuned to the the more beautiful judaic uh you know hebrew hmm. so interesting. interesting yeah so why are we thinking about going through this book <clears throat> so we we find it to be very relevant to this day, just this idea of forsaking our first love, God, and worshiping other gods. So we were like, that's, I mean, granted, all of, I should say all of the prophet books are like that. They are kind of, yeah. but um, we also thought that this one was just an interesting story to dive into as well. So... Yeah. And you'll see that very quickly. Yeah. And I think one of the points we want to make is every single book in the Bible has value, right? Oh, yes. So we believe that the authors are inspired by the Spirit. We also believe that the entire process of putting the book together was inspired by the Spirit. And we believe that the final form of which books made it in and didn't was inspired by the Spirit of God. So therefore, since we have the Bible and it's the Word of God, we can, even the hard or strange books are worth something for us. And we need to think about that. Uh, and even though this one's difficult, you know, that scholars have some trouble with some parts of this, and we'll get into that in the weeks ahead. It's worth diving into that, and it's even worth us kind of approaching it, realizing even though it's a difficult book to kind of work through, there's a benefit in us working through the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that you'll stick with us in Hosea. You know, if you're listening to this five years from now because you just happened upon the Yamcast, and you're like, they did Judges first. This is awesome. And then you get to Hosea, and you get a couple chapters in, and you're like, I'm not doing this anymore. Incur- I'm gonna encourage you to stick with it, but you might have moved on to the other books that we've done at this point. Be like, oh, we're gonna do with those. We don't. Yeah, wanna, right. We don't want to deal with this one. Uh, but I will say, some of the scholar issues that you that are gonna come up, and I'm gonna be honest when those come up, I don't agree with a lot of them because I have a very high view of the Bible and a very high view of God, whereas some scholars out there don't even believe that God is real. So they there's like so, this yeah. this book is just kind of a random assortment of ridiculousness thrown together, and I'm like, no, I don't agree with that. But I'll I'll point some of those things out as we get mm-hmm. along the way. So as we work through the book, what are some of the goals that we're going to approach? Well, as we do with almost everything that we are going to read in the Bible, like we want to learn, right? And so right. 
a lot of this is learning from Israel really to like see what they're doing and like kind of how do we not do that in a lot of ways. But also it can be hard reading this book because it just seems very, you're doing this wrong and you're doing this wrong and you keep doing this and you mm-hmm. keep doing this and I gave you this, but you just gave it away. And But there still is like hope and compassion that God has for his people. And it's, and it's seen through a few of the chapters. They, when we go through the book and we'll talk about this a little bit too, like it's, split up into very specific yeah. uh, chunks where you have a few of the, you're doing all of this wrong, but then you'll have a, but this is the hope for the future. And then another ch- chunk of, you're kind of doing all this wrong, but then here's your hope for the future. It doesn't just leave you kind of feeling, ugh. It actually, you know, keeps you hopeful that God's heart is always for healing and saving his people, regardless of, of what they're they're doing and what they've done. It's really not about us. It's always about him so i think that point right there is the point of the bible to remember that Mm. it's not about us it's always about him and he's trying to show us something teach us something so i couldn't have said it more poignantly that was so good erica um so here's how we would break it down there's going to be two main sections one is chapters one through three we're going to spend a fair amount of time working through either the basic storyline or actually doing the read through Mm -hmm. on that section that will lead then to the rest of the book, which is chapters four through 14. And some of those we're gonna go really fast through multiple chapters, just because that basically retools and retells the story over and over and over again, that's kind of given to us in chapters one through three. So if I were to say, what are, what are we trying to do with this book? I think the three things that I would be looking for is, one, as God's judgment and his words unfold to the people of Israel, my hope is that we would grow in our love for God, that he loves us so much that he's even willing to correct the broken mm. and the, the distracted. Uh, so that's beautiful. Second thing, I hope that we would choose to obey his words when we're done with this. There's so many warning passages in this that will speak to our culture today that we would go, oh, yeah, this is important. We should think this through. Uh, and then lastly, for me, understand that even his judgment is a mercy. We need to learn to trust even his judgment. It's difficult. It's hard. We don't like it. But if he's trying to correct us and guide us and lead us to where we're supposed to be, uh, it's a mercy. That's not a bad thing. Yeah, there's a point to it. Yeah. So that's where we're planning on heading. This is our intro episode. And then next week we'll start with Hosea 1. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Yamcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember to check us out on all the socials like Instagram at the Yamcast. We love to hear back from you guys, so please leave us a comment or a review, and we might even send you guys a sticker. Also, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com.